Sadducees? Well, primarily the answer we find is in Matthew chapter 3, uh, starting with verse 1. So we'll take a look at that, and then I will uh, comment and, and give some of the answers. And so it says, Now in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you, from these stones, God is able to raise up children of Abraham. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am unfit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather the wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And so as the... Uh, Scripture says uh, the people were going out because John the Baptist was the forerunner to the Messiah, and he was preaching that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the people were coming to be baptized because they were repenting of their sins. And that's the key here. So uh, he tells the Pharisees and Sadducees, as they're coming to him, he calls them a brood of vipers, which is basically a, a group of common by nature snakes. So his comments to them and about them are far from flattering. He just he calls them snakes, which have poisonous venom. And, he, and the reason why he refused to baptize them is he tells them, he says, he told them to bear fruit in keeping with righteousness. So the people were coming to be baptized because they were confessing their sins. The Pharisees and Sadducees were coming because it was a popular thing to do. They, they were not confessing their sins. And John recognized that and he said, Baptism is not going to benefit you because you're not repenting of your sins so that I might see and you might demonstrate repentance. Show me a life that bears fruit. Um, and again, their life did not demonstrate it. As a matter of fact, we'll see not only through uh, John's ministry, but through Jesus's entire ministry, pretty much the Pharisees and Sadducees never repent of their sins. There was a couple of exceptions, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, but they are only coming because it's what is popular to do, not because they're acknowledging their sins. Um, they thought that their DNA, the fact that they were 
uh, Jews that they were children of Abraham uh, benefit them by so that they could automatically go into heaven. And John disabuses them of that by saying, God's not that impressed with you being called children of Abraham because he can take the stones here by the Jordan River and change those into children of Abraham. And so a lot of times people will think, well, my parents were exceptionally good Christians or great disciples or, or great men and women of faith. But that doesn't benefit you. It's a matter of what you do in your life and whether you, by grace, through faith, accept the Lord. And so it's not simply enough to do that. So John doesn't just go through the act of baptism. And that's why he acknowledges that that they have not changed their ways, that they're relying on their works and not on the repentance or baptism. And so um, the, the short answer is they weren't proper candidates because they were not coming and acknowledging their sins. The second question um, is, all, is pretty much in the same time frame. The question is, why did Jesus have to be baptized? He was already perfect. Now, it's interesting. Uh, we call the, uh, the Gospels uh, that are uh, similar. Uh, then John has a different uh, approach than the, the other three uh, synoptic Gospels. However, the baptism of Jesus was such an important event, if you will, that all four Gospels record Jesus' baptism. And so at first we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 13 verses, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 3 verse 13 through 17. And it says this, Then Jesus arrived from Galilee in, at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered, said to him, Permit it at this time, for it is in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted it. And after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and they saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So the first thing is that we learn here is that Jesus doesn't come to be, become righteous. It says that he comes to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus is already righteous, so the act of baptism doesn't make him righteous. But let's be clear. The act of baptism doesn't make anybody righteous. We become baptized in acknowledgement, as the people did coming out to John, of repenting of their sins. The act of baptism doesn't make you righteous. It is, and we're going to follow up on that in a little bit. And so Jesus says that I am coming to fulfill all righteousness. And he's saying, John, you with me are to do that. And so John, like I said, initially uh, tried to prevent Jesus. And I can understand why, because Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the perfect one. As John said, we have need of being baptized by him, not us. But Jesus discussed with him saying, 
permitted so that we might fulfill all righteousness. Now in Psalm chapter 40, um, gives us an interesting look at it. It says this in verse 6 through 10. Sacrifice and meal offerings you have not desired. My ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips. O Lord, you know, I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and of your salvation. And I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. And so we see that Jesus is what he's doing is he's fulfilling righteousness. He's showing forth righteousness and he's giving testimony of what God is doing and that he's not concealing righteousness, but he's demonstrating it. And so as we see, again, Jesus is being baptized not to gain righteousness, but to fulfill it. But there's also a second reason that Jesus is being baptized. And we find that answer in John chapter 1, starting with verse 24 through 34. And so there are two reasons that Jesus was being baptized. One was not to become righteous, but to fulfill righteousness. And the second we find in John chapter 1, again, starting with verse 24, it says this. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him and said to him, and this is to John the Baptist, Why then are you baptizing if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, after me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, or he existed before me. Now I want to stop there. John acknowledges that Jesus existed before him. However, John was born six months before Jesus. So John is not talking about the fact that, that Jesus was born first. He acknowledges that Jesus was always eternally existent. He existed before John, even though John was born before him. And then it says in verse 19, The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Um, and then he goes on then, um, verse 31, I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel. I came baptizing in water. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained on him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes 
in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified, this is the Son of God. And so John was told during his ministry that I want you by the, the Holy Spirit, that he wanted John to baptize. And the reason for the baptism was not only that people might repent of their sins, but that John might be able to testify who it was that was the Son of God. And so part of the fulfillment of righteousness is when John baptized Jesus, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus and remained there. And so it confirmed to John that Jesus was and is the Son of God. And so as a result of that prophecy, if you will, John confirms that when that happened, he knew who the Son of God was, and therefore he testifies of that fact. Also, when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came and descended upon him. So the Holy Spirit testified to who Jesus is and was. And then the Father says, Behold, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So in the baptism of Jesus, we see the testimony of the Son saying, Permit this. We see the testimony of the Holy Spirit descending. We see the testimony of the Father. And we see the testimony of John. And so this is the second reason that Jesus was being baptized. And so that the whole Godhead would declare that Jesus is the Son of God and that John would know it and could testify of it. And so, again, Jesus did not become baptized because he needed to become righteous. He was already righteous. But as I've said, baptism does not make anyone righteous. We are made righteous by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves as a gift of God. And so we see that we have this idea that, that baptism is connected into making us righteous, and Jesus' baptism shows that that's not the case. The refusal to baptize the Pharisees and Sadducees were because their lack of confession uh, there is a saying that we Baptists like to say that if you baptize a person who's not a believer, they go down a wet center, a dry center, and come up a wet center. And so baptism does not have that saving authority. Uh, so uh, we're going to go to the next question, which kind of brings up this whole aspect. So the question is, why should a person be baptized? And so uh, we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 28, starting with verse 18. For those of you who are very familiar with the scriptures, you know that this is what's called the Great Commission. I'm only going to read a couple of verses of that. Um, and so in, in verse uh, 18, he says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So Jesus says, I have all the authority. It's all mine, whether it's in heaven or it's in earth. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so this is what we call the Great Commission. I tend to call it the Great Command because Jesus says, I have authority, so because I have authority, you go. 
and you do. And notice the order. It says that we are to make disciples. So baptizing a person who's not a disciple is out of order. And so those uh, faiths who, who do infant baptism and all those types of things uh, kind of miss the mark because, again, baptism doesn't save you. Baptism doesn't make you righteous. And so Jesus says we are, as a command, to make disciples. So the first step in making disciples is to baptize them. Now, unfortunately, things have changed. In current American Christianity, what happens is we have a worship service. Uh, someone preaches or the Holy Spirit uh, convicts someone. They go down to the front of the church and say a sinner's prayer. And they say that, uh, that I now am a believer in Christ. And the person who counsels them then talks about baptism. And usually uh, the person says, yes, I want to be baptized. And so the church is all happy, and usually we, everybody votes uh, to welcome them in. And I always find it interesting that we vote uh, to baptize somebody because Jesus has already told us to baptize disciples. So it doesn't matter what the vote is. We're supposed to baptize disciples. Now, by inference, if we're commanded to baptize disciples, then disciples are commanded to be baptized. In the first century and later, what would happen would be usually people didn't um, make a profession of faith and then church vote them in and then on a Sunday night or some other time uh, or three months from now, we have a baptismal service. It was almost an immediate baptism, in essence, was your initial confession of faith. You didn't wait to be baptized. You said, I'm a believer in Christ, and therefore there is baptism. So I want to show you some of the uh, verses that demonstrate that. And several of them are in Acts. So the first scripture is in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. It says, um, Peter had been preaching at Pentecost, and 37 says, And now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. So Peter says, this gift of salvation through repentance is for you and your children and those who are far off. By far off, it means Gentiles, uh, those who are not part of the uh, Jewish faith. So he says, this is what, what is to be done. 
And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Now that's, if you will, at Pentecost, a great revival. Peter preaches. They're pierced through the heart, not by his words per se, but by the Holy Spirit. The response is, well, what do we do? Peter says to repent and then be baptized, to acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, to have faith in him, and then acknowledge that faith. In essence, by being baptized, you proclaim your belief. It's your initial testimony. It's your initial confession. Um, the another verse I'd like to share with you, we find in Acts chapter seven, uh, starting with verse thirty-five. It says this: "No, I'm sorry, I got that wrong, so I'll, I'll skip that." But there is a time when Peter does a second um, preaching event, and even more people come to be baptized. And um, again, there's that acknowledgement of sin and then being baptized. Uh, so we'll skip to uh, uh, chapter 9, verse 14. Okay. Um, first, the, the verse that I missed was the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, Philip had been preaching, and then he was sent, and then he saw, after the Spirit directed him, the Ethiopian eunuch who was in his chariot reading the uh, prophet Isaiah. And he's not sure what's going on, so he asked, Who's the writer writing about? Is he writing about himself, Isaiah, or another? And so the Ethiopian eunuch is, is told about Jesus and what it meant. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, Behold, there's water. What prohibits me from being baptized? So in essence, again, the Ethiopian eunuch acknowledged who Jesus is, was, and that he was going to commit his life. So he said, there's water. Why can't I get baptized? Notice there was no vote by the Jerusalem church to baptize him. And then later, uh, Paul uh, comes, and everybody's very much um, concerned about Paul because he had been a um, very ardent uh, opposing the, the church, so much so that he was arresting people. He was there when Stephen was stoned uh, with full-hearted agreement. And so the church was necessarily very skeptical of Paul, who was at that time called Saul. And when Saul went uh, and had the uh, scales drop from his eyes, they baptized Paul. So again, Paul, after acknowledging who Jesus was and hearing the word of God, he's baptized. And then uh, the last one I, I want to talk to you about 
is um, in Acts chapter 16, uh, verse 14 uh, and 15. It says this, a woman named Lydia from the city of uh, Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken of by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you judge me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So we see that when Paul was going through his missionary journey and he was in Europe, the first convert that he uh, participated in was a woman who was a seller of purple, which meant she probably was a, a wealthy um, businesswoman. And again, the Holy Spirit convicted her and she was baptized. Now, what does baptism mean? What is, what's the word mean? To baptize or baptism means to dip. And so uh, that's why we Baptists place a person entirely in water because to us, that's what the meaning of the word is. Um, early on in Christian history, uh, to make it convenient, there was sprinkling and um, Constantine uh, baptizes entire army by taking branches, tree branches, and and sprinkling the troops. Um, uh, to me, what baptism represents, and I will share one more verse, is that it is an outward demonstration of an inward experience. And so, water falling on you doesn't show that inward expression of that. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. That that's what, in essence, I, I died in myself and buried, and I rise again, a new person in Christ. I am a new creature, and now I'm an ambassador of his because I have died. His death is my death. His burial is my burial, and his resurrection is my resurrection. And therefore, the only true way to show that testimony is to, now I know, in earlier times and because of certain other things, when people were dipped, they were just dumped down in the water and raised up. Um, to me, that's certainly better than, than throwing some water on a person. But the testimony is to show that death, burial, and resurrection. Um, so it is an excellent opportunity to demonstrate and to be a testimony of what Christ has done. And so the last scripture I want to share with you is found in Colossians chapter 2. Verse 12. It says this, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him, through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And so again, that picture is one of death, burial, and resurrection. And that's why uh, Baptists and other denominations are, are very insistent that baptism means to dip, to, to dump. Um, I heard it once said 
to sprinkle somebody, no more shows a death, burial, and resurrection, as milk shows the blood of Christ. We certainly wouldn't use milk as part of the communion activities. It, it's just not the proper element. It's the bread and the, and the wine. And in this case, baptism is that showing of the death, burial, and resurrection. And so who needs to be baptized? Believers. When do they become baptized? Hopefully, as soon as they become believers, but it's never too late to be baptized. I know there are people who are very concerned. Well, if I don't get baptized, then what will happen? You're still going to heaven because it is not faith plus works. It is not faith plus baptism. It is faith. But in faith, we follow the Lord's command. And since the Lord said we are to make disciples and baptize them and then teach them all the things that he's commanded us. And so um, if you've never been baptized, I encourage you uh, to make that commitment and go to your